It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth, you probably should pay them, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah, blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Alright, welcome to a crossover episode of Locked On Bulls and Locked On Celtics on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me as always, my Locked On Bulls co-host Cody Westerlund of 670 The Score and got with us in one of these back rooms by the media room at the United Center from MassLive.com and co-host of Locked on Celtics, Jay King. And there's not a lot to talk about after that ending. It, it was so boring. It man. was pretty It was pretty <laughs> uneventful. Like, there's not a lot of controversy. Just not not anything really memorable or worth talking about at all. Anytime we have one locker room upset, throwing around the word horrible on a call with .9 seconds left, and another locker room... Taking the exact opposite stance. In Isaiah Thomas got Isaiah Thomas with the SMH tweet too. Yep. yep. Taj Gibson was referencing the basketball refereeing hotline after the game. Glad that they picked up for the Bulls this time because we had another uh, barn burner at the United Center. Bulls 104, Celtics 103. Final two points of the game coming courtesy of two Jimmy Butler free throws with 0.9 seconds left after a late whistle from Zach Zorba. Uh, got Marcus Smart for a nick of the elbow would be the most maybe. I think that's probably the. I think that's probably the correct way. Uh, the buzzer sounded. The Celtics kind of thought they won. The United Center was kind of loud. Late whistle. Uh, Smart really upset. Brad Stevens took the high road. Isaiah Thomas really upset. What was your perspective on everything that happened in the final seconds? So what was what was craziest about it was. The fact that the whole United Center, everyone thought the Bulls had lost. Yeah. Like, the place went quiet. There was a hush. Everyone thought Butler's shot had missed and the game was over. And then I, lo- I looked up and the ref has his hand up. I'm like, oh, my God. I literally had my tweet, like, halfway typed out of, like, the Bulls' TNT uh, home winning streak is over at 16. And with like and like and soon, and then I looked around, like, there wasn't really, like, because they usually, like, will play, like, the music, like... The, like when a team when they lose like they have different stuff they play when they lose and like the announcers like they wouldn't say anything so I was looking on the court I was like wait did they call a foul like really what, what is this yeah and so, so the lateness of the call was 
probably the worst aspect of it. I, I think the more you look at the replay, the more it looks like maybe Smart did hit Jimmy Butler's elbow. I don't think there was anything conclusive about it either way. Jimmy's shot was short, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're building the case for Jimmy Butler and it being a foul, and Jimmy said it was a foul, he hit me on the elbow, I would have made it if he didn't alter my shot, which was just a great line, of course. I think going he, in Well, right. I mean, you know Jimmy Butler is confident. I, <laughs> I think he grazed the elbow. I think it was a call I maybe wouldn't have made in that spot, but I also think that there's not enough for them to say in the last two minutes report they're going to release that you shouldn't, that, yeah, the one, that it wasn't a foul. One part I would point out is, I, I think I agree with you there, Sean, not a call that I would have made, and we're also not professional basketball referees, but true. it's like the one area that maybe referees won't put up with crap with late in the game on tic-tac calls is the elbow. Like, maybe they'll let more contact go with the body, mm-hmm. you know, something up by the shoulder. But, like, you know shooters hate that when you hit their elbow because that just throws their whole balance out of whack. And uh, maybe that's kind of where it stemmed from. But, Jay, you're going to have to fill us in here. Marcus Smart also insinuated that the official only call in a foul after Jimmy Butler asked for the foul call. Yeah, he's, he said that Jimmy Butler said, that's a foul! <laughs> and then Smart looked over and the ref called it immediately after that. So, Smart, <laughs> actually, Smart, Smart went from, like, I don't know whether he was trying to take the high road or just didn't want to say that he did actually touch Jimmy Butler because when he was asked point blank whether he hit Butler, mm-hmm. he said no comment. And then he went on to say he played hell of a good defense and... It got punished for a good defense. Right. <laughs> so that means Jimmy Butler is officially a star if he's getting the call and not only getting it, but asking for it and then getting it, which if we just keep taking this next step, next step, next step, that would mean the Celtics' offer has to go up another draft pick because <laughs> Jimmy Butler is officially a star because he's getting that call. Well, I don't know. So I tweeted out the quote that, uh, like, do Celtics fans still even want Jimmy Butler? I tweeted out the quote that... Uh, he said he got fouled and that he would have made the shot, and I got a whole bunch of Celtics fans coming back at me saying, "Yeah, I don't want him anymore." After he said that, he's soft, or he, or like he, he knows that he. <laughs> I, I think that they would come around if the Celtics acquired him. <laughs> I suspect everyone would come around. I'm still kind of stunned about that, that whole finish. It was, it was remarkable, and the play before Smart had stripped yeah. Butler in an, an incredible play. I saw you guys saw the Bill Simmons tweet, right? I you're gonna fill sense. So, yeah. So Bill Simmons tweets like with, with like a minute to go in the game. Uh, Marcus Smart has been terrible tonight, so that means there's a 95 percent chance he's gonna make the biggest play of the game. And then Smart has that strip. That, that, uh, so that's his mo. That's his mo. That's oh, the yeah. mo. Like he had that steal, and that looked like that was gonna be the game ceiling play. But then he actually had the biggest play of the game in the other way, and maybe not the intended. Hey, I wanted to get to one more point and get both of your opinions on this because I was kind of just. A, a little astonished, a little annoyed, a little shaking my head, like I guess Isaiah Thomas is too, tweeting yes. that after <laughs> right. the game. But the Bulls had eight and a half seconds left when they inbounded the ball to Jimmy Butler. And, I mean, the horn sounded while that ball hadn't even got to the rim yet because he waited so long to go. And, like, I get that if it's a tie game, you miss the shot, you go to overtime. I get that if you're Michael Jordan. I think MJ would do that a few times in his career. He wouldn't do that in a playoff game, even though if they were losing, actually. That famous shot... To beat Utah, win the title, they shot with like six seconds left because they were down one. Um, but Jimmy waited so long, and usually you go a little quicker to give yourself a chance for an offensive rebound, or if a double team comes, you make one pass to someone for a better look. He waited forever, 
We asked Fred Hoiberg about it. Fred said, oh, you should ask Jimmy about that. Asked Jimmy. Jimmy didn't like it when you did that. Jimmy basically said, I don't operate as if I'm going to miss a shot and need someone to get me an offensive rebound. I think I'm going to make every shot. But I was like, they need to be more basketball smart than that. That was not good by the Bulls in that sequence. Yeah, and especially because... They had dominated the offensive glass the whole yes. game. You know, they're the number two offensive rebound team. Celtics are the number 29 defensive rebound team. And they had really just punished the Celtics on the glass the entire game. So, you know, if if he had gone earlier, they would have had a pretty good chance probably of, of get, tracking down the rebound. As it was, they didn't need a rebound because Zach, my man Zach... <laughs> Blew the whistle a couple <laughs> seconds too late. It was just, it was just madness, man. And he, I think, Smart is smart. I mean, even though you know, I think we've established there was maybe maybe a tiny amount, but there yeah. was contact on the play. Like technically speaking, it was the right call. But I think the point that Marcus Smart does have a point that you know, we were watching a replay in the media room a couple of times, uh, like ten minutes ago, and he definitely, the, Zach Zarba was definitely looking up at the shot. And didn't blow the whistle until it rimmed out. If he had made the shot, that he's, they're not calling that foul. Oh, certainly. But that's how that's how a lot of things seem to go late in games, too. The final seconds too often. And I mean, look, that's a tough position for the officials. Something that'll be talked about. That's probably the second game this year the Bulls got away with one. Well, the Dwayne was, Wade phantom, the well, Marcus Cousins phantom well, foul call. Well, see, with this Dwayne one, there, Wade, that's two wins. For well, him, right, sure. but see this. See this one, you can at least look at the replay and yeah. say maybe this is a call that usually doesn't get made, but there was a foul. Marcus Cousins, he didn't touch him in that one. I want to get you guys' take on what I thought was the best theater of the game was Jimmy Butler guarding Isaiah Thomas in the oh, fourth yeah. quarter because um, I think you pointed this out, Sean, but like. Until you watch Isaiah Thomas, when you watch him highlights and from afar, it's different than watching him up close in person or just watching nine straight minutes of Jimmy Butler chase around Isaiah Thomas in the fourth quarter. And I gotta say, Jimmy played some great defense on Thomas, and he still got some buckets. He had 11 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think he shot three of eight from the field. Jimmy forced him into tough shots. I mean, he hit a tough three, hit a really tough layup, had a scoop layup in transition, kind of with guys hanging on him like. That was something else, and I thought um, I would like to see that again. Like if that's a playoff matchup, the Bulls I'm down. The, the Bulls. The Bulls strategy was have Michael Carter Williams guard it for the first three quarters. Jimmy conserve that energy. But what did you guys just make of that matchup late? Well, so what I said, and Jay and Jay obviously since you covered the Celtics, you get to watch this every night. But I was sitting, and you were sitting in the same row as me, but courtside baseline on the Celtics side of the basket or the Celtics side of the court for that fourth quarter. And when you're sitting right courtside, you're like at level, you're at eye level with these guys. You're not, you know, watching it from afar. Because when you're watching it from afar, you're watching it on TV with the different camera angles. You know, Isaiah Thomas does all this stuff. He hits these shots, and it's just like, oh, cool. He's, good. you know, this is the guy who scores a lot of points. He's going up. When you have that angle and that perspective of seeing it up close, right from the baseline, it just drives home how much smaller he is than any, but then. Any of the other guys in the floor, like you see him switched on to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler had like almost a foot on him in terms of height, and you know he got switched on to Bobby Portis, and Bobby Portis is even taller than that, and that just makes it even more impressive what he's doing with the height disadvantage. How does he, he do it, Jay? Like, how does he do it? Well, he's he's ridiculously quick. He has probably the best change of speed That's, in the game, mm-hmm. and he has these herky jerky like shoulder fakes. He'll lean one way, get a guy on his heels, and just burst by him. He's really strong. I don't think people 
understand how strong he is to be able to finish against big guys at the rim and draw fouls the way he does. But yeah, I mean Butler. Butler, I thought really did a great job. They really made Thomas work, and you know there was that one play where he went baseline and had to like make three or four moves just to get by Butler for. And they make he got a bucket, yeah. but it was just tough. And Butler, Butler stayed with him. Butler hit a lot of big shots. The Celtics were hurt by Jerry and Grant and Bobby Portis earlier yeah. in the game, but those guys missed all their big shots in the fourth quarter for the most part. And it was really Butler carrying the load of the offense for the Bulls down the stretch. And he was great. Thomas Thomas was fun. That, that was a fun matchup. I, I thought this was Celtics, a really good game. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a weird game for a long time. Like Bobby Portis and Amir Johnson were the two leading scorers early. Terry Rozier had this run to yeah, stop a Celtics spell. Untouchable Celtics trade piece, Terry Rozier. <laughs> and then yeah, there was There were only fifteen turnovers in the game, so that speaks to the point uh, Between pretty, the two teams? Yeah, total. That's crazy. Um, I, I was pretty convinced that the stack keeper was wrong on that. <laughs> because the Celtics were stuck at seven for like ten minutes, and I'm pretty sure that they committed a few turnovers in that time. And I would look down, and it was still at seven. So I'm not convinced that the turnovers were Fake actually news. correct. Yeah, I, I'm honestly... Pretty skeptical of that box score. It's one of the first times I'm legitimately skeptical. It's actually of this, box is, this is like this has actually happened a few times because uh, we, you, we pointed out the other night after the Toronto game that Jimmy tied his career high with 12 assists, and Jimmy was convinced that he had had 14 in a game. And then I was talking to Bobby after this game because he had 19 points, one off of his career high of 20, and he was saying, "Man, you got to check that those game notes. I'm sure I had 23 last year." So they uh, they're definitely athletes tend to. Uh, to, to lose some of that perspective, fake news. They inflate inflate their numbers. They think they think they, they think that the statue is fake news. Certainly, we need to point out the Bulls played this game without Dwayne Wade because uh, he has an illness. He was not at the United Center. Um, he had been dealing with an upper respiratory infection last week, and then a thumb injury that kept him out of two games. Um, so they didn't want him to be around. Perhaps it was easy to get a quicker start on the All Star break too. Uh, vacation. For Dwayne Wade as well, if he wasn't going to play anyway, because I'm, that thumb, Paul Zipser didn't play. Nico Miritich was available to play after overcoming back spasms, but did not play because they went with Bobby Portis over him on a matchup decision. No Avery Bradley, Jalen Brown for the Celtics, as per the usual lately, it sounds like. I thought the Nico thing was a little bit weird, and I actually kind of had a thought during the game of, you know, the trade deadline is in a week. Is there something going on with Nico? Is are they holding him out because they're I literally never had that trade. No, I I had that thought and I said, you know, at halftime I asked a PR person, like, is his health change their reason that he's not playing? And I was told that he is healthy and he's able to play and so I uh, sent a couple of texts to people in the organization to see if there's anything up. I was told there's nothing up, so I just I had the thought maybe there's it's a good thought. I just like I don't feel like he's a good enough basketball player to justify doing that. This well, point. but I mean, it's with anybody. If you're talking to somebody about trading them, then you, you, you know you hold them out of a game because you don't want them to get injured. Well, you think? Uh, I guess Isaiah Cannon could be on the trade block. Didn't play. <laughs> Isaiah Cannon has not been in the rotation. Just saying. Just saying. Hashtag free sip. Um, we would be remiss here if we didn't have uh, three luminaries in the room with both three alphas. Three alphas in the room with trade rumors flying around. The Celtics obviously having interest uh, in Jimmy Butler. The team's discussing him ahead of the draft last June. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't 
Talk about that, Jay. What is the Celtics mindset with the trade deadline now seven days away as we record this? Do you think they're going to make a move? Would, uh, what's their approach? I would be surprised if they made a big move just because I don't think the guys that they want to go after, whether it's Butler, Paul George, somebody like that, I don't think those guys are available. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you... You could go after Carmelo Anthony, somebody like that, but that would limit your, that would limit your flexibility in the future. His contract is would take them out of free agency, so I I wouldn't be shocked if they went after a, a physical big man. Obviously, yeah. you saw them get pounded on the glass by Robin Lopez and Taj Gibson, all those guys. But you know the the big pieces, the Butlers, the Georges, those guys right now I don't think are available, and they're willing to be patient. And wait for a better opportunity, I think, than the opportunities they'll have at the trade deadline. And especially with the pick, the uncertainty of the, their Nets pick right now, yeah. which could fall anywhere from first to fourth. And obviously there's a, a value shift from from first to fourth. Yes. Um, I, I think a big deal for them is more likely to happen if it happens in the summertime. And the uncertainty of that pick, I think, is also a big reason why the Bulls wouldn't do something during the deadline. That would also maybe alter the package. Because, like, right now, you and I talked about this at shoot-around this morning, and we had a little bit of a difference of opinion about it. My, you know, default uh, stance when it comes to the Celtics-Jimmy Butler trade is I need both Brooklyn picks. And I feel like, I know Celtics people feel like that's way too much to give up because both of those picks are going to be really good picks. If the lottery shakes out and that pick is the number one pick in the draft, then it's a lot easier to swallow it being just that pick and not also the 2018 pick. But if you do that trade now and you think, oh, we got this Brooklyn pick, this is going to be awesome, and then the lottery happens and that's the fourth pick instead of the first pick, then that pick isn't as valuable. Yeah, to to kind of present it from the Bulls' perspective, they believe they have a top-ten player in the NBA, Jimmy Butler. Uh, They believe he's a star, and they want a pick back that can assuredly get them a star player. Um, so that's why they're so adamant on that number one, number two, number three overall Nets pick if there is going to be a deal. It sounds like we're going to have to have like two straight weeks of crossover locked on Bulls and Celtics leading <laughs> up to the June draft is what it sounds like right now. Because, I mean, I would anticipate the Bulls and Celtics talking again in the summer. Quite I think if it's the number one pick, you can do it with just that pick. If it's not the number one pick, maybe you need to put in the 2018 pick, too. That's kind of where I would be on it. I don't know. I mean, you look at it. It's a deep draft, and I've it's to give up two of those picks for a top ten player who's twenty seven and on a good, on an affordable contract for two more years. But I mean, two picks that will be in the top five, and this one is definitely in the top four in a, a very good draft. Next year, you've got Luka Doncic, you've got Michael Porter, who could both be superstars. So. I don't know. I, I, I would Right, but this is all like, I mean, this is all like, like you, you can say, okay, these guys could be superstars. You know what Jimmy Butler is. Jimmy Butler is money in the bank. Yeah, yeah. And, and But the only reason the Celtic or the Bulls would trade him is to get younger and to get worse and to start rebuilding. And yeah, obviously, right. obviously they'd want picks. They'd want maybe a young guy, maybe Jalen Brown. They're. The thing about Jimmy Butler is he's not just a great player. He's a great player on a a contract that is, because of the booming salary cap, one of the bu- biggest bargains in the league. And the Right, and that also you know that comes into play because they're going to have to pay Isaiah Thomas in another year. 
And, you know, and the thing is, like, the Celtics right now, they're not really, I know they have these picks, and they could potentially get another, you know, young star in the draft, but they're not really in building for the future mode. Isaiah Thomas is in his prime right now. Al Horford is 31, so he, you know, he's kind of at the tail end of his prime. They need to, if if getting a guy like Jimmy Butler, you know, a top 10 two-way player, is going to maximize their chances right now of winning the championship, that's their window. All right, we love who says no hypotheticals here. And by that, I mean, I do. I don't know if Sean always does, because I throw these at him sometimes and he shuts them down. But let's say that Nets picks the number one pick in this draft, Jay. Okay. That pick, number one overall in 2017, Jalen Brown in a pick that is a first-rounder in the future. Like the Celtics, 2008, so like 20, 25, 28, something in there. For Jimmy Butler, as the main pieces, fill out the salary with fringe, no names, however you want. But... Number one overall pick, Jalen Brown, and a number, a first rounder that falls in the 20s in the future. I Who think, says no? I think that would be around fair. I think the Bulls do that. I, if, if the pick is the number one pick, if it's not the number one pick, I need the, the 2018. I just also. solved the Cold War between Celtics Twitter <laughs> I mean, and Bulls Twitter. But, is that right? But here, let, let's, let's look at comparable situations. And. Kevin Love wasn't the exact same situation when he went to Cleveland. But Cleveland knew, like, when you're Cleveland and you have LeBron James and you trade for Kevin Love, you know he is going to re-sign with you. Yep. His, his, the one year left on his deal wasn't, like, it wasn't at all like they were worried he was going to leave somewhere else. So that was kind of a similar situation, and that was basically straight-up number one pick for Kevin Love. And then they yep. threw Anthony Bennett on it, and Anthony Bennett stunk. Um, so would the Celtics have to throw on top of that all the other stuff? I don't know. I'm just looking at other similar situations, if that is the number one pick. That's, that's a good point. I mean, they'd have the trades this summer, they'd have two years of Jimmy Butler under the great value contract. He would probably opt out after that just because just the money. he could yeah. get more money. Uh, but, I mean, if you put him in a winning culture and have success in the next two years... And look, Brad Stevens is a brilliant basketball coach. Celtics are a well-run organization from management on down, from what I gather. You would have to be pretty confident. He's um, I yeah. think they would feel confident they could yeah. retain him, certainly. But look, but see, Jimmy, Jimmy's like, I mean, he's kind of got Hollywood is where people use. Like, he would like to go back out there on the open market and hear all the pitches, all the big money offers, I'm sure, in a couple of years. Well, but see, the, the counterfactual here, you, uh, Jay, you did point out the whole, you know, Kevin Love, Minnesota situation. The difference in those is Kevin Love was going to leave Minnesota. Like, there was, that's, like, that's part that's, of why they yeah. had to, they had to trade it because they knew he had one year left on his deal. They knew he was going to leave. That team wasn't any good. You know, if you can get, and they, they were they, they were able to get, I was surprised they got as much as they did, and they basically got as much as they did because they were in this really unique, you know, one-of-a-kind situation where LeBron went back to Cleveland and said, okay, trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love. But, like, the Bulls are in absolutely no rush to make a trade. They have two more years before he can opt out. And if, even if he, let's say they keep him for two more years, he opts out. Those new rules, assuming he makes All-NBA two of the next three years, and I've written about this before, uh, the new rule makes it so much. I mean, the extension that is dysfunctional as the Kings are. It seems like Demarcus Cousins is going to sign that extension in Sacramento for two hundred and ten million dollars or whatever. The Bulls can offer six Jimmy, more years of fun in Sacramento. Jimmy, right, but, well, right, yeah, that's that's a whole different discussion. But like the Bulls are going to, if the Bulls keep Jimmy, they can offer him so much more money than anybody else. They can feel like if they don't trade him, 
he's not going to leave. It's not like a Kevin Love, Minnesota, or Carmelo Anthony in Denver situation. So you would have to absolutely blow them away with the right deal. They really feel like, okay, this sets us up for the future. We have multiple you know, picks that could turn into stars. Like That's the kind of deal it would take for them, for their perspective, to say, okay, we're going to actually put the trigger on this. Yeah, I mean, certainly how the playoffs play out here uh, can affect that too. You know, the Celtics, they're in good position now. The two seed, even with this loss, Cavs are within sight. Three games. Heading into the All-Star break here, about 25, 26 games left for most teams. So what happens in the playoffs? I mean, playoffs started today. You'd be looking at a Celtics-Bulls series that would I'd be going, what, five games, maybe? Six games? I think it goes six. I think it goes six. The Eastern Cup, TNT has the East, right? Ooh. (laughs) Does TNT have the East or does ESPN have the East? I don't think, think if TNT has the East, it's going seven. I want to make sure that everyone here in the, the NBA Twitter needs to catch on to this. I know Marv Albert pushed it really hard on the 16th time the Bulls won on TNT Thursdays, but that is now 17 straight wins for the Bulls. On TNT Thursdays at home, a streak that dates back to January 21st, 2013, I believe, which is just remarkable. And it'll be put to the test in a couple weeks because the Warriors come to the United Center on a TNT Thursday. But, like, magic just always happens for the Bulls. I'll bet. Like, what, like I mean, it's, it's within the realm of possibility in that Warriors game, and we'll talk about this in more depth uh, in, in a couple weeks when that game happens, but... You know, the Warriors have somebody who has a penchant for getting ejected and under weird circumstances who's very important to their team. Like, there might be some weird Draymond stuff going on. You he, and Jimmy, he and Jimmy are Olympic teammates. Like, there might be some stuff between them. Like, like, I mean, you I'm just saying it's possible. In Dream, if you're the Bulls, who are currently 7th in the East, one game clear of 8th place Detroit, two games clear of ninth place. Milwaukee, Jay, what's next on tap? For you and locked on Celtics here across the next what eight Pro- days a lot probably of probably got off I think probably a lot of trade talks over the All Star break oh yeah and let's get it trade rumors trade rumors yeah and I, I want to go back to our trade discussions I am the very worst at realizing what a player's value is on the trade market <laughs> like for whatever reason when I try to come up with with fake trades people get mad. No, it's people not, on both sides probably get it's, mad it's, at you. Right? No, it's not that people. I think if people on both sides get mad at you, then you probably good. split it in the middle. I am just really, really bad at gauging trade value, so I, I want to put that disclaimer in here because some of the shit that I said is probably very wrong. Um, Don't he doesn't want a blog headlined? Jay says Celtics <laughs> should trade this for this regarding Jimmy Butler and these number one picks, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, so many factors yep. in those. I mean, between production, years of control you're looking at, if you give up two first-round draft picks in a deal, you're looking at guys that have four years on their rookie deal, that's eight years of control, and you probably are going to sign them to extensions. See, like, you're giving up, just right there, you're giving up like 16 years of control for maybe only two. You know? See, that? See that's why I'm not really, you know, in the past, whenever these discussions were taking place like the pieces on the Celtics roster were always guys like you know Jay Crowder Avery Bradley I'm not really interested in those guys as much because they're gonna have to pay Avery Bradley in a year and I just don't know how much sense Jay Crowder makes in a rebuilding team so I would be more interested in like a Marcus Smart who is eligible for the rookie extension so they'll have to pay him but that's still you know four more years you can lock him up for Jalen Brown who's 
a rookie. Like I, f- I feel like they're. I feel like I. That's the direction I would lean more if I were the Bulls looking for a package for Jimmy Butler, rather than you know guys like Crowder or Bradley or you know Jonas Jarebko or whoever. That's hella good D, Marcus Smart, who's not getting the respect he feels he deserves. Hell of a good D from the officials late in games. Uh, obviously, he was in the spotlight of the United Center along with Jimmy Butler. I think that's two one for the Bulls in the season series over the Celtics. They got one more in Boston. Don't know when it is, what month it is. It's later in the season. It's in the sometime later in the future. March 13th. In the future. Let's deal with the All-Star break first. Yep. Yeah, All-Star game on tap this weekend. Jimmy Butler there for the Bulls. Isaiah Thomas there for the Celtics, of course. Is Isaiah do- Isaiah's doing the skills challenge too, right? I hate the skills challenge, man. The skills challenge. I'm down. See, I'm, I'm actually. I'm actually to the skills challenge. I'm down. I'm, I'm down now that they have bigs in it. Like I'm excited to see He's like yo kid challenge guy. I'm only a skills challenge guy since they added big men. Like I think it's gonna be cool to see like Jokic and Towns and. Uh, Porzingis and I think Porzingis is in it. And Bede was gonna be in it, but he's not gonna be in the thing anymore. Is Jalen Brown in the uh rookie sophomore game? No, he's not. Like, that was no, but he wasn't selected for it either. Oh yeah. Which is weird. He's been pretty good for a number two team in the East. Yeah. So I was I was actually surprised he wasn't included. But it's tougher to make the US roster, obviously than it is to make the world roster. Can we talk about how Carl Anthony Towns should be on the world roster because he plays for the Dominican national team? I don't know why he's on the U.S. roster. If you play for a different national team, you should not be on the U.S. roster in the, in the rookie soccer. So where would Andre Blatch have gone? Because he was an American who played for the Philippines. Well, so oh, is JaVale. Man. So is JaVale. Oh, it really makes you think. JaVale's a, a Philippine citizen <laughs> now, too. Uh, it really makes you think. I had to bring up Andre Blatch when I could. Oh, like absolutely. Some, some Inception-style <laughs> stuff there. Is he still in uh, China? I have no clue what Andre Blatch is. <laughs> he went to China for a while. <laughs> Crossover Bulls Shout out to Celtics him. podcast. Locked on Guangdong Southern Tigers. Roster <laughs> origin breakdown. It's a serious skills challenge excitement from Sean Hyken. Sean I'm Hyken. I promise... Coming back Monday, we will have a full breakdown on the skills challenge. Oh, uh, maybe, maybe only, only, if, only if they give Paul Zipser the late invite. That's, uh, <laughs> Bobby Portis, maybe. That's true. I we're gonna so we're gonna we're gonna I don't know what your schedule is for your podcast, Jay, but we're gonna take the All Star Weekend off. We'll be back on Monday. We got some stuff we're gonna do. You know, we've got some ideas for episodes. We're, we're gonna, gonna talk fake trades, fake trades, real trades after Thursday if they make trades or don't make trades. Exactly. Trade deadline, I believe, Thursday, two p.m. Central Time. That's probably three p.m. on the East Coast where the Celtics are. Uh, as always. You can follow Locked on Bulls on Twitter, at Locked on Bulls. Follow Sean, at Hyken, myself, at Cody Westerlin. Jay is at by Jay King, I believe. Check MassLive.com for his work. Um, the Athletic for Sean, 67score.com for mine. And most of all, give a subscription to Locked on Celtics and Locked on Bulls. And leave them five-star reviews. You can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play. Anywhere else you can find podcasts, make sure you subscribe to this five-star review, tell your friends to subscribe, all that kind of stuff. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Yeah, J. King and John Corrales, locked on Celtics, Millie's. Napa know how. It 
takes a lot to get excited about a bag. But most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.